Hello, hello. Welcome to Reclaimed Terrain. This episode is titled The 29 Lessons I've Learned as a Christian Entrepreneur. But why are we doing 29 lessons? That's kind of a weird number, right? (laughs) Well, the reason is because when this episode is posted, it will be one day after my 29th birthday. Hey! Okay, so I am turning 29 on July 4th. Yes, I'm a 4th of July baby. And this podcast episode is being posted on July 5th, which fun little fact, I was born on the 4th of July for all my USA gals listening in. But my parents' anniversary is on July 5th, so it is a very festive time in our family, dare I say. So that being said, I'm recording this a couple of weeks early, so I guess I'm kind of celebrating my 29th birthday a little early too. But (laughs) that being said, this episode is a good one because I have put together the top 29 lessons I have learned over the past five years. So also fun little fact, July is around the time I really started pursuing entrepreneurship five years ago. So not only am I turning 29, but I'm also kind of celebrating my fifth year of being an entrepreneur. So it's a big party around here. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right in because, well, we've got 29 lessons to cover. So here we go. Hey queen, welcome to Reclaim Terrain. I'm your host, Hannah Brindley, daughter of the king, certified life coach, and faith-fueled business mentor. I know you are so sick of feeling like you've worked so hard in your business with little to no reward while staying in this same cycle of self-sabotaging tendencies you know are keeping you stuck. And because of that, I know you are craving to end this never-ending cycle of self-destruction and cultivate a successful Holy Spirit-led business without letting it become your idol. So if you are ready to be fueled by faith over flesh, fight your battle spiritually instead of physically, take bold action on your God-given callings, and finally create that thriving faith-fueled business, then you're in the right place. Go ahead and reheat your coffee, grab a notebook and pen, and let's dive. Are you ready for the 29 lessons I have learned in the past five years of being an entrepreneur and especially as a Christian entrepreneur? If so, we're about to dive right in. But before I do, I just wanted to throw out here and just say I got this idea for this episode from Stephanie Gass. She did an episode like this for her birthday and I just loved it. So shout out to Steph. Thank you for all that you do in your podcast because it has served so many people, myself included. But all of that to say, let's dive in, y'all. So lesson number one is probably going to come as no surprise if you have listened to this podcast for any amount of time. But number one is that the only thing worth being obsessed over is Jesus. And the reason why this is literally number one is because I remember when I was a baby entrepreneur, I was taught that the only way to achieve my goals was to become obsessed with them. 
So the baby entrepreneur that I was, I made my goals my top priorities. And while it is very important to prioritize intentions that you set, I realized that by letting myself become obsessed with success, I was taking my eyes off of the only thing that would actually fill my cup, which is Jesus. Because let's think about it for a second. We want to achieve certain goals so we can feel a certain way, right? Safe, seen, heard, loved, validated, secure, stable. But in reality, once we achieve our goal, we always want more. It's never enough. But with Jesus, it is always enough. In fact, he is more than enough. Now, y'all already know I can probably talk on and on and on about this one specific lesson, but we've got 28 other lessons to get through. So if you want to hear more about this specific lesson, I would actually recommend going back to episode one of this show. I basically share my whole story and this is part of my story, but also going back to episode 11, which is titled How to Keep Your Eyes on Jesus While Growing Your Faith-Based Business and Stop Worshiping Success. So I highly recommend going to listen to those two if you want more insight on this specific lesson. Now for lesson number two, entrepreneurship is neither a marathon nor a sprint because there is no destination. Hear me here. There is no destination. You may have goals in place that you want to achieve, but even when you achieve those goals, you're going to set new ones. There's never actually a destination. There's never actually going to be a place where you feel like you've just arrived and you're never going to do more unless you quit, but I know you're not a quitter. So (laughs) that being said, please just remember it's neither a marathon nor a sprint because there is no destination. So stop striving for this imaginary finish line that you're making up in your head because it's not real. Enjoy the journey because the destination does not exist. And the beautiful thing here too is that you can apply this lesson to everything in your life, not just business. Okay, so moving right along to lesson number three, which is that chasing freedom doesn't actually free us. Now, when I say freedom, I did some air quotes there. I know you can't see me, but I'm talking about worldly freedom. So this time freedom, this financial freedom that we're constantly hearing about. Because the thing is, is that when you continuously chase freedom, you actually become a slave. And this is where hustle culture comes from. Because the truth is, my friend, is that there is no such thing as true financial freedom or time freedom as the world shares it. And the reason I say this is because everything can disappear in an instant. You can lose everything in an instant. Have you not heard the stories? People can lose it all. You could lose it all. You will never truly be financially free or free of your time. But the only way to have true freedom is with Jesus. And with this freedom, you do actually receive financial and time freedom, just not in the way that the world makes it out to be. When I say that you have freedom in Jesus, so you have financial and time freedom, I'm not talking about the prosperity gospel here. I'm talking about financial freedom with Jesus. You are free from anything regarding finances, 
because you are in him. Like it doesn't matter what happens to your finances because your true freedom is found in Jesus. And I just wanted to make that crystal clear for you. So moving right along now to lesson number four, which is success doesn't always equal revenue in the Lord's eyes. Success doesn't always equal revenue to God. Because the thing is, God cares about your soul and your spirit first. He cares about your money too, which we'll talk about in a minute, but he cares more about how you are operating as a child of God. He is going to sanctify you. And sometimes that might mean that your business does not look financially successful for a minute. And also success in God's eyes can equal souls of another person. You may be impacting so many people right now with your business, even if it's not profitable. Hear me on that, please. Success does not always equal financial success in the Lord's eyes. Now, lesson number five is to cultivate intimacy with the Lord more than you consume from others. I used to listen to podcasts, audiobooks, trainings, you name it, all day long. I believed that since quote-unquote successful people learn every day, I needed to learn every day. And so I believed that the more I consumed, like in terms of knowledge and business advice and business tips, the faster I would become successful and the faster I would become more profitable. But the thing is, since no one has the same opinion, I didn't actually know what to do. And that was mentally exhausting and put me in analysis paralysis. I was so overwhelmed about needing to do all the things to be successful that I would do all the things and then burn out or I would do nothing because I was overwhelmed. But Jesus, y'all, he is so good. When I started making sure I was consuming his word and I was receiving from him more than I was consuming from others and more than I was thinking about my business, I felt way more peace and goodness gracious, I became way more productive too, which I know that that is like a huge myth that like, oh my goodness, like, oh, like I need to spend you know, all this time learning and doing X, Y, Z, or else my business is going to flounder. But yes, you need to be disciplined, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But also, if you do not spend that time with the Lord, (laughs) you will feel it. Okay, I have felt it. And it is not a fun place to be. Lesson number six, y'all. Lesson number six is to focus on the direction the Lord is calling you to go and not the results you want to achieve. This is a huge lesson. It has a spiritual reason, which I feel like the spiritual reason is kind of obvious that like, hey, you actually want to focus on what the Lord is calling you to, not just the results you want, right? But there's also a very practical and tangible reason for this lesson as well. And that practical lesson is that if you actually just focus on the one 
direction that the Lord is calling you to go, you're not going to get so distracted with all of the other shiny objects and all of the other things that your flesh is wanting to do, like creating all of the offers, being on all of the platforms when you barely have capacity to be on one and to sell one thing. You're just getting distracted because you think, oh, this thing's not profitable yet, so I need to go and do this other thing. No, 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 no. Do not fall into that. Focus on the one direction the Lord is calling you to go, not the results you want to achieve. If you want to hear more about this specific lesson, I recommend going back and listening to episode 20 of this show, and it's titled Stop Doing This One Thing If You Want to Scale to Six Figures in Your Faith-Based Business and What to Do Instead. I go very much in depth on this specific lesson in that episode. Okay, y'all, lesson seven is a big one, and I wish I had more time to cover this, but it just had to go in here, so I'm not going to be able to spend a lot of time talking about it because time, obviously, but I will have to just create a podcast episode dedicated to this one day because it is such a good topic, and it, it it's just it's just so good, but I just don't have time for that here. So lesson seven is that there is a difference between self-sabotage and spiritual warfare. You may be like, well, duh, Hannah. (laughs) Which, I mean, logically, I've always known that too, but here's the thing. There are a couple different things going on in this world, right? So obviously, we have our flesh, which is our body, and this thing that we have to die to according to the word, right? We need to die to our flesh. And so our flesh can get to where it controls us, right? So making decisions from our flesh. Now that, my friends, is self-sabotage. We need to be self-disciplined with our flesh. Now, if you want to hear about self-sabotage, you have got to go back to episode two of this show. Episode two is my most downloaded podcast episode, which it's no surprise because honestly, this is still like my favorite podcast episode to this day. It's episode two and it's called Five Reasons You Might Be Self-Sabotaging and How to Biblically Stop It. Now, I have literally had multiple people, multiple people still tell me that they have listened to this episode three or four times and they get something new out of it every time. Y'all, it is such a good episode. And I say this because I know Holy Spirit totally took the reins on this. He really, really did. And that is why I talk about this episode so much. I truly love it. And I am just so grateful that I was able to be the vessel for that and that he is able to speak through me so that it can get to you. And I'm really excited about that. So back to the lesson, though, you know, there is a difference between self-sabotage and spiritual warfare. Self-sabotage has to do with your flesh. And yes, the enemy can come in and work on manipulating the flesh. That is totally a thing. And that's part of spiritual warfare. But sometimes it is just your flesh. Okay, like it is just your flesh wanting to be flesh and wanting to feel comfortable and feel pleasure. Okay, but then we have true spiritual warfare. Now, the thing is, is that people, Christians included, can still have a spirit on them that is not of God. 
But the biggest thing that I have noticed that if someone is battling a spiritual oppression, like from a spirit of this world, right, not of God, is that they're going to feel like enslaved to that spirit. They may not know it's a spirit, but they are going to feel enslaved. Like there is literally nothing they can do to stop from doing this thing. Like they literally cannot stop it until they are delivered from that spirit. Now I'm going to stop here for now in terms of spiritual warfare and self-sabotage, but if you want to learn more about spiritual warfare and spiritual oppression, I highly recommend checking out the Bible teacher, Derek Prince. And I personally highly recommend his book called They Shall Expel Demons. I am reading it right now. I actually have read it on my Kindle already and I purchased the the actual physical copy of the book. And I'm going through and highlighting things right now because it is so good. I have learned so much, but you can also just learn from him on YouTube as well. I highly, highly, highly recommend checking that out. And so this leads me to lesson number eight, which is that lack of clarity and confusion is either a lie from the enemy or even a spirit. You can have a spirit of confusion or a lie from your flesh trying to keep you comfortable. I talk about this a lot in episode two of the show, the self-sabotage episode, so please go and check that out if you are dealing with lack of clarity or confusion. So let's move on to lesson number nine, which this lesson actually also goes with this as well, because I actually learned this lesson from the same Bible teacher that I learned all about the spiritual oppression from, like that book that I'm reading. His name is Derek Prince. But this lesson is to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now, this actually comes from Isaiah 61.3, and it literally says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, or some translations even say spirit of despair. And I want to be perfectly transparent and vulnerable with you here. I have always, honestly, for as long as I can remember, um, I've had a tendency to experience deep sadness just throughout my life, even when my life has looked wonderful and blessings galore and good things are happening. I have always had this spirit of heaviness, I guess you can say, and just feelings of despair and melancholy. And that being said, I always thought it was so silly when people would say no, like you, I'm about to start crying guys, I'm sorry. But um, when people would say no, like you just need to look at Jesus and you need to pray more and you need to you know, praise him. And I just, I would just look at them and be like, don't you understand? Like, I'm just sad. And I wouldn't understand why they wouldn't just hear me. And the thing is, (laughs) this verse, literally, I I feel like it has truly changed my life. (laughs) Just in the sense that if you think about it, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, it is biblical that when you are praising the Lord, when you are proclaiming his name, when you are singing to him out loud, that is literally the remedy for the spirit of heaviness, which in this case, like it could actually be a spirit, friends, keeping you feeling heavy or in despair. But when you are praising him, there is no room for that spirit anymore. That spirit cannot be there. So as silly as it might sound, I have learned to start singing old hymns. I actually have an old hymn book here with me and I sing old hymns out loud. And 
I praise him and I speak to him out loud and I proclaim scripture out loud. And that has changed so much for me. I know it may sound silly, especially if you deal with, you know, major anxiety and depression. I just want you to know I hear you and I've been there and I still go through these waves, but there is something about this that I had to share and I just recommend trying it, just giving it a try, giving the Lord like your undivided attention and praising. That doesn't mean that, you know, life isn't hard and that things don't happen and that you can't be sad. You can totally be sad, but this is really dedicated to someone who is really experiencing this spirit of heaviness. And this is something I have definitely experienced. And honestly, this is a spirit, like if I'm being totally honest, that I feel like has truly left. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, does that mean I don't have to keep fighting it? Yes, I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And I also have flesh that wants to gravitate back to being sad. Okay. But it is, it is a game changer. And so I had to share it and I'm going to get off my soapbox with this lesson because we, I get on to lesson 10 now, but please just remember Isaiah 61 3 says the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So lesson number 10 is that spending time with the Lord is the most productive thing you can do. So many people, myself included, I'm guilty of this too, are prone to basically take the time with God off of their calendar and replace it with a goal or, you know, working on achieving a goal. And this, I'm going to tell you right now, is not the most productive thing. Logically, you think it's the most productive thing, but it's not. And when I say productive, I also mean fruitful. When you are spending time with the Lord, you are going to be able to produce so much more good fruit than you would if you didn't. Now, also, what's amazing about spending time with the Lord is that you wind up being more creative. You wind up having more inspiration. You have more energy. You're not as tired. You're more joyful and at peace. But I know our flesh fights that. And especially if you're dealing with spirits, you're going to be fighting that too because they're going to be fighting that. But friend, spending time with the Lord is the most productive thing you can do. Also, I highly, highly, highly recommend reading a chapter of scripture out loud, uh, singing a worship song and praying before you start working too. Like you will be amazed, like at least I was, at how productive you feel. Okay, so moving on to lesson 11, surrendering doesn't always equal stopping. Sometimes it does. You know, God will call you to stop. He will, and he wants you to be still, and he wants you to do nothing sometimes. He will call you to that. But the thing is, God wants us to be in a constant state of surrender and rest in him. So surrendering doesn't always look like just giving up. It looks like surrendering the results to him because the thing is, God knows you need to work. He made us to work. He made us to live in this world, okay? He knows what you need to do, and he also knows what you need. Trust him. Take the faithful action and surrender the results to him. Rest in him at all times. And this lesson actually leads me to lesson number 12. And that lesson is that discipline actually brings freedom. I used to hate the word discipline. That was just a yucky word to me. I did not like it. I wanted freedom in my schedule. Like, hi, that's why I became an entrepreneur. But the thing is, 
Discipline brings freedom. Now, discipline in what? Discipline in your time and in your work, but also discipline in resting with the Lord. You know, people often talk about discipline a lot in terms of work and productivity, but what about your discipline and your rest? What about that? The Lord is calling us to be still and is calling us to build intimacy with him. He's not going to bang down your door. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. You have to be disciplined and spend time with him. And that, my friend, is going to give you the freedom with Jesus, right? Because you are spending time with him. But also, when you are disciplined with your work, (laughs) you will actually build that quote-unquote freedom in your business, right? In addition to spending time with him and our rest and our work, he also wants us to be disciplined with what we actually do here on earth, right? Like he wants us to actually have self-discipline to not lie, to not steal, to not kill. You get what I'm trying to say here, but really it comes down to that discipline actually gives you freedom. And when you don't have discipline, you actually don't have freedom. And this lesson actually leads us to lesson number 13, and that is that boundaries are incredibly important. Not so we can say yes to more things we want, but so we can say yes when God calls us to move. Because here's the thing, if we are disciplined with setting boundaries, we are going to be able to say yes to God more. Boundaries is a really hot topic right now, but it is very driven by self, and that has driven me absolutely bananas, but boundaries are still very important, but again, not so we can do more things that we want, but so we can do more things that the Lord wants. Let's talk about lesson number 14. Your work or your business is not your purpose, just like your kids aren't your purpose or your spouse. Your purpose, my friend, is to know God and make him known. And your calling is how you live out your purpose. Yes, your career, your business could be your calling. It could be the way you're living out your purpose, which is to know God and to make him known. And if you are not living out your purpose with your calling right now, I would spend some time in prayer and reevaluate. And so lesson number 15 is that consistency compounds. Now, this lesson actually came from a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Now, I'm going to just give you the really quick synopsis, like one sentence synopsis of the whole book, but I highly recommend checking out the book if you feel led. But essentially, that one sentence synopsis is that the compound effect is the strategy of reaping huge rewards from small, seemingly insignificant actions. So essentially, stay consistent, Keep doing the thing and the success will compound over time. Now, when I say compound, I mean it will multiply over time. It's almost like a bank account compounds, you know, a high yield savings account, I mean. It will compound and essentially the interest will keep growing. And so the bank account is going to keep growing over time. It's the same way with your actions. And this actually applies to all things, your business ventures, your relationship with Jesus, prayer, your health journey, all the things. 
Now this lesson actually leads me to lesson number 16, which is that you don't always have to have a major breakthrough when you read the Bible. Now this was a really big lesson for me because I always wanted to just have this huge revelation every single time I opened my Bible and I read something and that just wasn't the case and it always felt really disappointing. But I actually went to a conference, I believe it was October of last year, and there was a speaker at this conference I was at and oh my goodness, I wish I remember her name. But basically she talked about this and she mentioned that reading the Bible is basically like you are planting a seed in a woman's womb. Now hear me out on this, okay? So essentially when a baby is implanted in your womb, it takes nine months to actually grow and birth a baby, right? You know, obviously sometimes a little more, sometimes a little less, but you get what I'm saying. But essentially reading the Bible and getting to know the Lord can be like this. Sometimes it is just planting a seed and you are learning and you are growing. And then one day you're going to have this huge revelation. This goes back to compounding, right? The compound effect. So just remember every single time you go and read the word, you are incubating this seed. But the longer you go without reading the word and the longer you go without incubation, this seed is dying even. You have to incubate and you have to take care of that seed so it can birth something so beautiful like a newborn baby. Okay, so moving on to lesson number 17, which we still have more than 10 lessons to go. Oh my goodness. But (laughs) lesson number 17 is that you don't need all the bells and whistles to run a financially successful business. Sister, you do not have to have a fancy website a fancy email funnel, be on multiple platforms, have all the offers. You don't have to do all of this, okay? Focus on one thing. Now, I want to mention episode 20 one more time because I go in detail on this. So please check out episode 20 after this episode if you haven't yet, because like I said, I go in detail on this. You really want to hammer down your focus. Otherwise, your attention is going to be split and you're going to get mentally exhausted like I have in the past and I do not want that for you. And this, of course, leads us to lesson number 18, which is that working from a place of overflow is way more fruitful than working from a place of overwhelm. Now, if you have not tuned in to episode 13, which is titled, Is God Telling You to Pause or Push? Here's How You Know. I highly recommend checking that episode out because I talk about working from a place of overwhelm versus overflow. But essentially, you want to be working from a place of overflow, like an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, versus a place of being overwhelmed by all of the things that you and your flesh want. Now, moving on to lesson number 19, which is a juicy one, (laughs) is that you want to outsource as soon as you can, but there's a catch. (laughs) You want to outsource the right thing at the right time, to the right person. This catch is not something I took into major consideration when I was a newer entrepreneur who just had her first 10K month and I knew I needed to start outsourcing because that's what people tell you to do 
but I was basically in this big hurry to outsource, but I didn't really have my ducks in a row and it just felt like a disaster. I felt way more overwhelmed bringing someone into my business than without that person. Now, that just means I did not have the appropriate systems in place to help them be successful. Now, they were great, don't get me wrong, but I was just not in the best place to outsource. I still didn't truly know what I was doing in terms of outsourcing. And so now I am very mindful when I bring someone into my business and how I bring them into my business and what they will be focusing on. Now, outsourcing doesn't always have to look like outsourcing stuff in your business. It can look like hiring a nanny. It can look like hiring someone to clean your house so you don't have to do those things so you can focus more on your business. Outsourcing can look like that too. You just have to know what is going to be best for you and your situation. Now, this kind of goes along with lesson number 20, and lesson number 20 is to find a business mentor who you align with in your values as soon as you can. Y'all, I'm not kidding about this. (laughs) Please find a business mentor who you align with in values as soon as you can and hire them. Hire them. When you can, I say as soon as you can, because I know some people just aren't there yet and that is okay, but please do it as soon as you can, because it will be like a night and day difference. And I know that I know that I know you probably believe that you already know what to do. You're just not doing it or that you can do it all yourself and you totally can go that route. But listen, (laughs) you will fast track your results if you stop duct taping your business together and actually hire someone who is doing what you want to do. It will speed up your results. And with that, you can actually build a relationship between you and that person and they can actually lift you up. They can bring you back to Jesus, friend, when you are feeling down, when you are feeling discouraged. They can speak truth over your life and speak truth into you. That is why it is so important to find a business mentor who you align with in values, but also do it as soon as you can so you don't have to stay in this state of feeling like, oh my goodness, I'm just doing all these things. I feel like I know what to do, but I'm not doing them. Or like, I just don't know what to do at all. I feel stuck. I don't want that for you. So please find a business mentor and hire them as soon as you can. Now, lesson 21 goes hand in hand with this, and that is to communicate as much as possible with your mentor. Because my friend, your mentor cannot read your mind. You have got to share. The more I have actually shared with my mentors, like I have looked back in the past and I look at all of the investments that I made and the ones where I communicated and contributed more were the investments that I received more from. And that is because your mentor cannot read your mind. Now, if you're in a group program, utilize the group as much as possible. You will receive more from it. Like, I promise you that. Utilize it. Utilize the resources your mentor is giving you. They are there for a reason. 
Now, lesson 22 is going to be a juicy one and one of those ones where I'm probably going to have to make a separate podcast episode for because it's such a hot topic. But this lesson is that the act of making money and even large sums of money is not sinful. Like I said, hot topic. I'm going to have to make a podcast episode on this one. But I want to cover just a couple of things really quick before we go into the next lesson. So first and foremost, 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money. It's not saying money. It is saying the love of money is the root of all evil. And I want to go a little bit deeper into this with you as well. Now, what I'm about to share with you, I also heard from Derek Prince. Can you tell I really like listening to him and reading his books? Derek Prince, he's phenomenal. But I want to share with you something that I learned from him that was pivotal for me. Now, we're going to go to Matthew 6, 24 in the Bible. Now, just so you know, I'm reading from the King James Version, and it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, newer translations will say you cannot serve both God and money, but the King James Version says you cannot serve both God and mammon. Now, what is mammon? The meaning of the word mammon is actually more than money. And I've learned that mammon is an evil power that essentially grips us and can enslave people through money. It's not actually money itself. It's a spiritual power that works through people and their attitude towards money. So if we look at 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Doesn't that remind you of mammon, the love of money, because mammon is wanting to control you via money, right? But then Matthew 6, 24 says, you cannot serve both God and mammon, right? You have to love one and hate the other. Well, here's the thing. Yes, you have to love one and truly despise the other, but it's not despising money. It's despising the satanic force. It's despising that evil spirit, Now, there is no neutrality, right? Like, we're not going to love this evil spirit, this evil entity that wants us to stray from God and actually idolize money, right? That's the difference. Isn't that powerful? To me, this was like, boom, like eye-opening. Now, there is a lot more to share in terms of money and abundance when it comes to the Bible and being a Christian entrepreneur but I just wanted to give you that nugget to hold you off until I actually sit down and create an episode or maybe a masterclass over this particular topic. So moving on to lesson number 23, we are getting close to 29, is that your goals and your focus should not be one and the same because the truth is that when our goals become our focus, Jesus is not. Let that sink in a second. When our goals become our focus, Jesus is not. I think I made my point here. (laughs) So we're going to move on to lesson number 24. And lesson number 24 is that repentance isn't condemnation, but instead your path to freedom. 
I know that repent and repentance used to always feel like really icky to me, but the truth is that it's actually your path to freedom. Actually, in fact, you cannot be delivered from spirits unless you repent. Did you know that? Because I certainly didn't. (laughs) At least not until I really started digging into it. Jesus also mentions, he actually says, repent and believe in the gospel because the kingdom of God is at hand. That comes from Mark 115. And essentially, you are to repent, to actually fully embrace the gospel, to actually fully believe in the gospel. Repentance is crucial. I used to think repentance was bad. And if you had to repent, you were just not a good person. But that's just not the case. Repentance is something we all have to do probably every day, many times a day. You know, I'm just kind of like raising my hand over here because I am human and I make mistakes and I'm not perfect, but I'm really striving to be more like Jesus. And I pray that you are too. Now, lesson number 25, and this is actually something that I have had to repent of myself, is that if you're not careful, money can easily become your idol, money or your business. But with that, you can also become your own idol. I actually do believe I was idolizing myself for a while, and that was a really hard pill to swallow and something that I had to repent of because I felt like I had all of this pride for, you know, running like a successful business or, you know, even when I wasn't running this quote unquote financially successful business, I was idolizing myself in the fact that this is what I want and this is my goal and this is like what I want more than anything. I want this because I want to feel this pleasure. I want to feel this satisfaction. I want to receive this recognition and validation that I can do this thing and that is idolizing myself. And so I had to really repent of that. And so moving on to lesson number 26 is that the way you view and treat money is probably how you view and treat God. Also probably other people, other relationships, food, multiple different areas of your life. And this goes back to your attachment style. And so for me, I actually dealt with, I believe mine is fearful avoidant. I have this attachment style of fearful avoidant. There's four different attachment styles. It's secure, anxious, avoidant, and fearful avoidant. And if you can determine what your attachment style is in terms of money, which by the way, this does go back to basically how you operate based on you know, your past and your past experiences. But essentially, I recognize I was fearful avoidant because I have always had this tendency to one, avoid conflict with people. But also with that, I also avoided looking at my bank account. (laughs) I avoided looking at my bank account. And I was just fearful that the money was going to disappear just from Uh, you know, experiences I saw when I was growing up and I just never wanted that to happen. I have also realized that even if I make money, I'm afraid that that money is just going to disappear. And so that has been really eye-opening. And with that, I noticed that I actually subconsciously believed that God might disappear. Even though I logically knew that, I subconsciously believed God might disappear. He might run away from me, but that's not truth. 
right? And so with that, I started noticing that's how I was in relationships. You know, I did not want conflict, right? So I would run away from conflict because I didn't want them to run away or to leave. And then with food, I ended up developing a binge eating disorder when I was in college just because I experienced um, a lot of yo-yo dieting growing up. And then I went without food for a really long time and I restricted myself for a really long time. And so I actually started believing that this food was going to run out. So I had to eat as much as I possibly could. And so you see the trend here. So essentially understanding how you view and you treat money can actually help you understand how you view and treat God, other people, food, and other areas of your life. And with that, you can repent of it. You can cast away any spirits that are keeping that from happening and actually start living in the freedom that you were always called to. So moving on to lesson number 27, that is to tune into your strengths and spiritual gifts and then hone in on them. So for example, I have learned that teaching is actually a spiritual gift of mine and a strength of mine is writing. Now, I've also been told, which this is this is new for me, so there's that. I've just been told that that podcasting and speaking is a strength of mine as well. You know, like I said, this is still kind of new for me. I'm not really sure, but I know that writing is a strength of mine. So essentially what I'm trying to do right now is I am in a huge season of honing in on these gifts. I really want to tune in to the spiritual gift I have of teaching, but also I have a spiritual gift of prophecy. And I'm not talking about like, you know, telling the future. That's that's not prophecy. Prophesying is really speaking life and, you know, wisdom and words of God into other humans. And so I'm really working on honing in on these gifts and these strengths a whole lot more in my business. So that's going to look like for me probably releasing more podcast episodes in the near future because this is really where I want to spend more of my time because I know that what I'm doing here is a strength and a spiritual gift of mine. Now, lesson number 28 is a really good one, y'all, and one I feel like you just need to hear, okay? There is no such thing as competition and saturation, especially if your niche involves faith in any aspect. Why is this? I'm going to paint the picture for you. If I come across another faith-based business coach sharing about the same topics as I do, am I going to be upset? Am I going to view her as competition? Absolutely not. And the reason for that is because if I truly want this message spread, then I will be happy and excited that there are other people on the same mission as I am. I will be cheering her on. I will not view her as competition or feel like the niche is saturated because she is spreading the same mission and message as I am. And I want as many people spreading that message as possible. So stop comparing yourself and follow the mission. I promise you the Holy Spirit is going to bring you people that you are meant to serve and help. Just like the Holy Spirit is going to bring the other person people they are meant to serve and help. And so last but definitely not least is a lesson number 29. And that is to work on being content and joyous no matter the circumstance or where you're at in your business. Now, this is a lesson I really 
learned a couple of years ago, but it's come up again recently, actually very recently. The other day, I actually woke up with an overwhelming feeling of knowing that I just needed to repent for being discontent. Like I actually heard that like in my head that the Holy Spirit was just sharing this with me that I just, I just knew I had to repent for being discontent. And with that, I knew he was also calling me to spend even more time praising and worshiping him because like, you know, when you're praising, there is no more room for that spirit of heaviness or spirit of despair. But essentially, I I really honestly had no idea that I was feeling discontent. And that's how I knew it was Holy Spirit sharing that with me because like I said, I had no idea I was feeling discontent, but I was. And he shared that with me. And what I'm realizing is that when you really open up to him, he is going to share with you what you need to repent of or things you need to actually expel. So these spirits, right? But that being said, this is just something that came up again. And I wanted to share that with you. And I really feel like maybe someone had to hear that today, just because for me personally, like I said, I didn't know that I was being discontent. But what I was doing was really (laughs) focusing on where I wanted my business to go. And I was noticing, man, there was like this really big gap between where this business is supposed to go versus where we are now. And that feels kind of discouraging. And I also feel a little bit overwhelmed. And I kind of feel like, oh, man, like, you know, I was starting to feel a little uncomfortable, like, ooh, like, I'm not really quite sure like how to get there yet. And that has been a minute since I've experienced that y'all. And so literally, then the next day, that is when I felt that overwhelming feeling that I had to repent. And I immediately felt so much better. I felt more level-headed. I felt more clear-headed. So that just goes to show there are multiple layers to learning these lessons, right? Like a few years ago, I learned about not being obsessed with success. And I learned not to put all my focus in these goals, but it still comes up. And so the Lord really has to peel back these layers. And that's part of the sanctification process. So just know that I am just right there with you, girlfriend, because we are all human and we are all being sanctified even further to be more like Jesus. And that is it, my friend. 29 lessons I've learned as a Christian entrepreneur these last five years. And wow, 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 the Lord has just shown so much provision and he has just been so faithful and he has just really uncovered a lot of nastiness in my life and in my flesh and I am just so grateful for that and I really hope that this episode has blessed you. And that being said, I would love to know which lesson really stood out to you the most. So if you could, please screenshot this episode, share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at Hannah Brindley and just share with me which lesson really spoke the most to you. I would really love to know. And I hope that if you, of course, are in the U.S., I hope that you are enjoying your 4th of July and I will see you next time. Bye, friend. Hey, queen, don't head out just yet. If this podcast has blessed you in some way, it would mean the absolute world to me if you left a written review of the show over on Apple Podcasts. It truly lights a fire in me knowing how God has impacted you through this platform. 
And since I absolutely adore connecting with you, please, please, please screenshot this episode or your review and post it on your stories on Instagram and tag me at Hannah Brindley. I can't wait to see you over there. So much love to you.